0: Hello and welcome to the Govern This Podcast It's a political podcast for non-political people where we ask the simple and ignorant questions about our country and government and get them answered. In this episode, I chat with Esquimalt City Councillor Tim Morrison. We talk about his extensive and interesting resume and what led him to becoming a city councillor and his views on his role there. And also we talk about the upcoming federal election here in Canada and how it will affect local communities. So give it a listen and I hope you enjoy. I mean, they're not dumb questions, they're just, I'm just ignorant about it, I haven't learned anything yet. Okay, welcome Tim to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Tim Morrison. Um, any connection? Jim. Jim. Oh, of course. Yeah. No, I think that, that sometimes
1: that does sort of help me in the election because it's easier to remember the name when you're, you know, have a very, very close name to a dead rock, rock star right who, of course, is. Famous for
0: for yeah. eternity, right? So you should use that as a campaign thing. You know,
1: it's funny. I I first started running in politics when I was in university in, in student elections, and I put my posters up, vote for Tim Morrison. Yeah. And there was always these jokers who would go around and put a little <laughs> hook on the tee, but it seemed to work for me. So yeah, oh, you're like Leave yeah, it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. There you go. You know, when you when you're in a competition with a whole list of names, whatever helps you stand out, you yeah, know, for sure.
0: go with it <laughs> for sure. So. So um, we're going to talk about the federal election coming up and how you put it, uh, how it relates to local communities like Esquimalt here. Right. But first, let's just give a rundown of who you are. And from what I can tell, looking at your bio on the uh, Esquimalt City Council page... You've got to be, like, a good-looking 75-year-old because... <laughs> I'm pushing 50, but i uh, got a couple of years to go for that. But definitely dude, you,
1: firmly in middle age, so...
0: You've done a lot of yeah. stuff. Like, how do you decide on what career now? The, all the things you've done.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I it is, I graduated from university in the mid '90s, and then I just, like a lot of people at that of that era, we there weren't you couldn't just go into jobs the way your mothers and fathers did. It was mm-hmm. like you really kind of had to shop around and try different things out, and and eventually find your way into a you know hopefully a permanent career of some kind, which is what I'm doing now. But, um, but yeah, it was it was a struggle there, so but it, I look back at those years as thinking that actually, it was a very fortunate experience because it did let me try a whole bunch of other kind of uh, jobs before yeah. I settled into what I'm doing now. but
0: well, reading uh, this doesn't look like a struggle. It looks like a, like what everyone would love to have on their resume. Yeah. Let's just go through some of this here. <laughs> Let's start from the beginning or back here. Um, so yeah, you graduated from Simon Fraser. In political science, communications, and geography? Right. I think originally I thought I was going to be like a a political communications
1: expert and be hired as a consultant by political parties for... Uh, enormous amounts of money but of course that never happens i I end up becoming my own political consultant (laughs) (laughs) for my own campaigns
0: (laughs) i guess you had the background to help yourself then yeah Yeah. that's right nice nice so is that like one how like i i I didn't go to college your university so yeah so is that like political science what was your major? I guess is the thing.
1: Yeah, it was political science was my my original major, and then at at SFU, if I remember correctly, you could um, you could do a triple major, like you could you could basically oh. tailor your courses towards uh, sort of a specialization, and so that I I couldn't decide on a minor; it was either going to be communications or geography, and I ended up doing a triple major, which is political science, geography, and communications. Oh, nice. Yeah. So. So, I thought I'd do some global stuff, too, which I did get to do, but um, not nearly enough to to make it a full-time career.
0: Hmm. Wow. But that just opens you up to a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, then it said, uh, school trustee, teacher, journalist, adventure tour guide, and travel writer. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> I forgot about being...
1: A, you you, you the, forgot about <laughs> one of those? Yeah, school well, School trustee was so long ago, but it was my first... It's um, ele- so like I said earlier, I had started in university, was very interested in politics from a very young age. Um, and of course, when I got in university, started getting involved with student government and uh, managed to get elected to different offices there. And then that. graduated, I think it was 96. And that same year, 1996, was a school board, or it was municipal elections across the province, which is, uh, of course, local councils and uh, school boards, and I thought, um, I think it was more almost like a challenge for one of my friends to like, say, <laughs> I bet you can't get yourself elected to public office beyond university, and I said, well, oh. I'll, I'll do school board, you know. I That time, I, I was living in North Vancouver, yeah. and I, had gra- I was born and raised in North Vancouver, um, and uh, I I guess I graduated in 1989, so 1996, wasn't that far, I was about 25 years old, I think, Mm. wasn't that far off from from the years of when I was in school there, and that was my whole campaign, is that basically most of the people at the school board were well over the age of, you know, 50 or so, and there wasn't much of a connection, and there was all sorts of issues going on with cutbacks and, uh, you know, students not getting the... The, the delivery of programs, the, the service levels that they should be getting and all the special needs that were getting neglected. And and so, yeah, I just made my campaign about let's make school board decisions about students um, right. as opposed to people who, who kind of just govern in isolation and far, far, far distance away from their, their experiences in the school system. And uh, that seemed to work. So I yeah. think I, I got elected <laughs> with a margin of like something like... 30 or 40 votes. It was close. Yeah. And my wow. my my budget was pretty minimal. So it was a lot of just old school kind of door knocking, uh, doing doing campaign on the cheap. But um, yeah. how long did you work.
0: Do, how long did you do that for?
1: That was from 96 until I did two terms. So okay. so it was in those days it was three-year terms. So I did 96-99 and then 99 to 2002. And then that's when wow. I moved to Victoria, so I stepped down from that. I worked in government here in in uh, in Victoria, working on the community charter, which that's a whole other topic we okay. can talk about. But <laughs> prior to the community charter being implemented, um, local governments were pretty much, uh, the, the best way to explain it, they were the children of, of the provincial government, and that's how they were treated, and, and you know, the levels of respect were in, in, in accordance to what you'd expect of a parent o- overseeing a child. It wasn't mm-hmm. really, it was very top-down, and it was a lot. I mean, local governments did a lot. They they did a lot of the same things they do now. But the provincial go- they were subject to provincial government mm-hmm. uh, on a number of things. And what the community charter did, which it was the Campbell government that brought that in. Gordon Gordon Campbell was the premier from quite a long yeah, long stretch. But he would prior to that he was uh, mayor of Vancouver, and Vancouver okay. always had their charter. They were the only ones in BC that had their own kind of independent charter. And so what he did is he said to local governments, I will treat you as equals. I will see you officially as, uh, recognize you officially as a third level of government or, you know, equal equal level government to... Like
0: the city governments or like all the municipal governments
1: yeah so like i said they were all kind of considered children for
0: for generations so he's not saying i'm going to talk down to you and tell you what to do he's saying like i'm "I'm going to i'm going to treat you like a teenager who's got head on or even like
1: an adult now like you are fully grown (laughs) you're fully matured governments and you're going to get what's called a commute charter which will officially recognize that so when i went to work in government over here in victoria that's was the first project i worked on was was the commute charter and that's got me very got me very very interested in Local government. And right. um, I also got to work on the 2010 Olympic bid at that time because if, oh. you, if you, that was early 2000s. So it, it just kind of gives you an indication of how much preparation went into that 2010 time period right. for the Olympics. But yeah, we started in the early 2000s with
0: wow. that. It was a lot of fun. So when did you do these other things like being a teacher and Journalist, oh, tour guide, well, actually, travel writer? Like, yeah, well, I
1: was a school trustee uh, okay. back in the 90s. I was uh, The funny thing was that a lot of people who graduated with uh, arts degrees, um, bachelor of arts degrees, there wasn't, like I said, a lot of media employment at that time. Okay. So a lot of us went to Japan or Korea to teach English. So I did a bit of that.
0: So you did that before the school trustee? Yeah, and so okay.
1: so it was, well. No, sorry, I did do it in the summertime. So because we, we had a summer break. So okay. I did that. I, I was working for a, sk- a school here in Vancouver at the time, and that was my day job was teaching English. And then they'd send me over to Korea or Japan and, and do some kind of partnership uh, oh. relationships over there with with teaching and whatnot and recruitment. And it was a lot of fun. So I got to travel. Yeah. throughout asia and and uh, on behalf of that job and but it didn't pay very much but it was a lot of fun and was quite young at that time so, so
0: was that the one with the because it says here traveled through 80 countries no that came, six came later continents. so came, yeah oh, so
1: so that so, so basically <laughs> we did, they went to victoria came to victoria worked and fell in love with the whole region um, mm. but uh, you know i w- worked in government for the uh, as i said for the you know working on on the community charter and the 2010 olympic bid and really it, it was a lot of fun doing that and 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 um very exhausting for sure mm-hmm. and once i had that kind of you know uh you know day to day kind of uh, routine of of doing a government job I, I i just still felt that i needed to get out there and see the world a bit and um so i just kind of made a decision <laughs> that i was going to quit my job and, and you know thinking back it was probably quite because, like I said, it was so hard to find jobs, yeah. you know, in coming out of university in those days. But I essentially had a job that I loved, which was working in government, doing policy on really, really interesting things. But, but I, I just, you know, it, it's always kind of like when you get comfortable, you're that's yeah. when you you, you want to make a rash decision. So I just quit my job. <laughs> um, left. Uh, that was about two two and a half years. I did that, and uh, that. So around two thousand three, I think, just the end of two thousand three. Um, I, I, I don't even know how this happened, but, uh, I used to read the travel section quite a bit of the Vancouver Sun Times Colonists. And there, what i noticed they were doing is they were having kind of like, it was sort of like reality TV. They were having like reality, reality travelers who would just right. write weekly about their experiences in real time. And, um, and, and <laughs> so I saw that and I, I noticed they had a note there saying, if you're thinking about doing this, you know, we're always looking for new people. And so I just send them an email saying I'm planning to travel around the world for the next year. Um, I had saved up some money and stuff and I thought I was just going to try and do it as much as possible on a, on a limited budget. Um, and, uh, sent them my proposal and some of my sample writing and but somehow you... I got, I <laughs> got a call back and, wow. uh, and, and so I did this weekly column for the, for, for, uh, Originally for Vancouver Sun, and then that got expanded out through their network of um, at that time was Can I think it was Southam News or was it Can West News? But okay. the whole conglomerate. So my article travel articles would appear in all these Canadian newspapers. Wow, and That's cool. um, yeah, it was quite fun. And and I think at the time they used to pay me it was a hundred dollars for an article and fifty dollars for a photo. So the f- the photo part was easy, but <laughs> the articles were always kind of fun. And but every week I, and like see that time it was also like you weren't. You weren't connected. There was no Wi-Fi or anything. Oh right. The best you could do was go to go to um, uh, internet cafes, and you'd find them in all yeah. over. because like, mostly I was traveling the third world and whatnot. But yeah. um, but yeah, it was like you had to sort of check, find some place with a connection, and then you'd email your story in, and it was kind of fun. But. And I remember sometimes being in those internet cafes and I'd have like one article and one photo to email and it would take like an hour because it kept (laughs) breaking the connection. And and it was too, the photo was too large. It was just, but it was a lot of fun. It was definitely a lot of fun and did that for a year. And then because of that, um, a a tour tour company that was located in Vancouver um, reached out to me and said, hey, would you like to come work for us as a tour leader? Because Mm -hmm. we've been reading your articles and we thought you'd, you'd, you'd... this would be an interesting oh, work wow. for you. So then I did that for a couple more years. So then uh, I was able to get to those 80 countries. And <laughs> and also because I was being paid to, to travel all over the place, um, every once in a while to have some free time. So I got to do some volunteer work. And, you know, it was uh, uh, quite interesting being in different places of the world and, and not really worrying too much about finances because right. I was getting paid to do it kind of thing. So, That's incredible. That yeah. sounds like just a wow yeah i'd still that's be awesome. doing it today if, if i could but um you know at some point you, you <laughs> yeah. have to have a grown-up job i guess and that's why i end up I coming back to uh victoria and i don't and know it's... if that's true
0: you're, you're just taking a, you're you're taking a sabbatical from your normal life and yeah you're doing a normal yeah. job quote unquote for right. your sabbatical but politics <laughs> kept calling me you
1: know it's like sort of this tug of war between travel yeah. and politics as to as to um uh, what i should be doing and uh and so, any, anyways, I, I guess I got exhausted from traveling um, at some point, and then, you know, started emailing some contacts back here in Victoria and seeing if there's any jobs available, and uh, came back here 2000 just towards the end of 2006 because the travel continuous travel was about three years, mm-hmm. and wow. then, you know, either travel writing and um, a long time. And tour leader, yeah, it was, but it, it just I it was the best three years of my life, I'll yeah. tell you, and I
0: and how old were you then?
1: That time I was, I think I just the reason I think I wanted to quit my job and try this was because I had just turned thirty around that time. Oh, okay. And and I was like, hey, this is the time. Yeah, it's like I'm more, I am kind of a grown up now, and uh, before I'm officially fully a, a grown up, I want to do some more fun things, <laughs> right? So I managed to fit that in there. But it was originally it was just going to be a year sabbatical yeah. and then come right back to government work, but um, but uh, uh it just. Like a lot of things, it just fell into something better, and right. I kept on going. But uh, but I did come back here in in 2006. I worked in government for quite a while. Settled in Esquimalt, and that's mm-hmm. why how I I ended up here. Um, again, at that time was it was interesting because 2000 the mid 2000s was just when when the real estate boom was really starting to pick up, and, okay. and it was a shock because as I said, I'd been away for three years. And I thought I'd just come back here and find a cheap apartment or something, and and uh, save up some money and get a down payment on a, on a place to live. But it was like, what happened while I was away? Because because yeah. suddenly, you know, you could, you, I remember when I first moved here in the early two thousand, you could buy a, a one bedroom condo in Victoria. They were like a low, you know, low hundreds, oh, wow. hundred fifty thousand, <laughs> something like that. And then when I came back a few years later, they were suddenly like double the price. And, and, and in, now in, they're <laughs> in going up considerably every year since then. And, yeah. and so now it's like half a million dollars to buy a it's condo. Crazy. It's yeah. crazy. But, but yeah, so then I, I did get it uh, back in government and uh, did that. And then I started blogging and, mm. and did some more um, kind of like you're, you're doing yourself, sort mm-hmm. of my own kind of journalism. And, uh, and the reason was is because the Squimalt uh, used to have their own community newspaper. Okay, And and suddenly they were, it was gone. It was like uh, oh. the black press who run all the local community newspapers decided that they should just amalgamate the Esquimalt news with the Victoria news. And we,
0: uh. no one would
1: notice. Well, no, because Victoria and Esquimalt are completely different communities. They should have their own source of right. local news. So so I started this blog that turned into kind of the, the, the Esquimalt um, online newspaper in response to not having a newspaper.
0: And you still do that?
1: No. That was what I did while I was before I was a counselor because okay. I used to go to the council meetings and I would cover the council elections and, and report that out and, and write right. about it. And um, the circulation was pretty good, like because you on the, the way my blog was set up, I could see how many people would read and click right. on things. And it was actually quite quite interesting that there was a strong following because there just was that need for the local news. Mm-hmm. Um, and then because I was going to council meetings all the time and reporting on the issues and studying the issues, I thought, okay, well I can do this. And like I said earlier, I had some experience <laughs> as a school trustee back in the nineties and I thought, you know, I want to do this. So I, I went for it and, um, that was 2011, the, f- instead of the first term until 2014. And then the second term was 2014, 2018. And here we are now on my the third term. term. Yeah. yeah. So it's been, and there's been a lot of change in Esquimalt during that time, which has yeah. been, fascinating to be part of. Yeah.
0: I remember I went I went to one uh, council meeting there. It was after I talked to Jeremy Loveday. Okay. A year or two year whenever it was yeah. now. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Um, he
1: lives apparently he lives in Esquimalt now. Oh, does he? Yeah. He's <laughs> <Is Yeah>. Victoria <laughs> Is City Councilor. Two, there are the- two city councilors living <laughs> from Victoria living in Esquimalt I I say it's because we're such a great place to live. <laughs> So, it's affordable or more so. And it's so close by (laughs) to downtown, which is probably why councillors from Victoria are able to live here and work in Victoria. Yeah.
0: Well, that's when I found out talking to him that there were city councils that you could go to and see what's going on. Yeah. And I was like, what? They're not
1: these secret chambers that you have to have the... Secret, you know, door knock to get in or yeah, something. You just yeah. go in. So I went to one in Esquadmol. <laughs> it's, it's the most open form of government. Is the most transparent, mm-hmm. the most accessible form of government
0: uh, by far. Well, it was so interesting because the one I went to, Esquadmol was getting a bunch of money from somewhere, like a lot of money from mm. somebody. The
1: the sewage plant, uh, CRD. So Is that so what the it Capital was? Regional District um, provided a $17 million as okay. sort of a... Um, it was, it, I don't want to say compensation, but it was, it, it, there was a, uh, the, that's a whole other talk <laughs> show yeah, we yeah, can yeah. do, but there was a very long, 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 complex series of negotiations about um, the placement of, of sewage uh, right. facilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one ended up um, being here in Esquimalt at McLaughlin Point, the other one being at Heartland in Saanich, where the, you know, where the uh, right. the, the dump is there. and. Um, there was it was a it was a very, very very Co- it was pretty controversial
0: very stuff, wasn't controversial it? process Lasted that went on for time. a
1: long time all the time that i like I just outlined most of the time that I was on council this was going on so you're Where, saying that
0: the got paid out.
1: We didn't get paid. No, we, we got what we what we received because there was a lot of other things that went along with that as well, like in Quiet terms of money. what the what the treatment facility can and cannot do, what it has to look like, what okay. it has to be like, how it has to operate and all of that, so that there's basically no impact on us as a community. But also in a law, what the provincial government said was that uh they stepped in and said, Look, you know, you guys have your community charter and everything else. You're supposed to be working this out on your own. Um, but if you if you need our help, we will we will help resolve yeah. this issue. And so that's essentially what the, the, the capital regional district was just a complete mess on this this uh, this topic at that point. And they just sort of, more out of desperation and and deadlock, just said, okay, provincial com- provincial government come in and help. Essentially, help us with this. Yeah. And the help was that they said, okay, uh, if this is where you want to locate it, you have to compensate um uh you have to provide some mitigation to the to oh, host okay. community and that they they ordered that it would be the 17 million dollars and mm. and it's to be used for specific purposes so
0: oh the money was yeah it's to, oh because it, yeah. i remember it, it was well maybe it was a different one then because i remember it was like what got me was that you guys were trying to decide or trying to figure out how to inform the like the the people in Esquimalt, what you're doing with the money, um, and it was it was so interesting because you're spending this time talking about like well we could put bus advertisements, we could do a mail out, yeah, and it was just like you're really worried and not worried, but like really trying hard to be like how do we inform everybody instead of so that yeah. they didn't think we just threw this money, and I was like wow they they actually. Can't. Yeah, (laughs) they want us to know what's going on. Yeah, whoa. The approach we've been taking is:
1: is this this money belongs to the community, and it's something that no other community has, right? No one else is receiving this kind of fund, Um, and and so we just want to make sure as as much as possible that the community was engaged in the decision making about what is our priorities for that money. Now there were pretty strict uh, legal parameters around what that could be used for, like it had to be waterfront parks oh and, okay right uh, pu- yeah, yeah yeah you know public recreation public safety was, there, there was a, there was some pretty clear um, direction for us as to how we could use the money. So, we, we wanted to make that understood mm-hmm. by the public. So, that because everyone has their own shopping list and their own yeah. pet projects, but we wanted to make it very clear that it was, it, we had to communicate very effectively with the public as to what it could be used for. Yeah. So, then that could determine their expectations yeah. and then kind of like narrow it down to what, what it is that's yeah. possible with this money.
0: It, it was a neat one for me to go to because it saw, it, it, I got to see you guys like really trying to figure out how do we reach the public and yeah. like caring whereas you could just be like okay we're doing this and this and if they don't come to the meetings well tough they didn't care so <laughs> you
1: know it's fascinating that you just said what you said because that was exactly how they handled this the capital regional district that's exactly how they approached this the sewage issue from the beginning was essentially what you just oh, said if people the don't public, come to it then heck with yeah them. and we're, we've got to ram this through and it, it's uh um and it was you know i i uh, you know, uh, my I think myself and a lot of people think what well we know what happened essentially was when this project first began is that they looked around the region and they thought well where can we where can we put this sewage plant oh. and they thought well, we can't put it in Oak Bay because Oak Bay is Oak Bay they can't have a sewage plant we won't put it in Victoria because you know it's yeah. just, uh, we don't want to disturb our capital city yeah. and you know the West Shore was far too new and, and, and all out on its own there and. um You know, and Sanich had again like a well established, you know, municipality. We're not gonna have sewage plants in Sanich. And so they I think what happened was is that the powers that be said, well we'll just put it in squimalt. There there were there are there are lower social economic, you know, demographic there. They won't even know what's happening, oh. and what they did was basically <laughs> ignite this very highly intelligent, highly organized, uh, extremely engaged community called Esquimalt, and wow. we were not going to allow that to happen. And, and uh, I say we because it happened. The, the, <laughs> the, the, the opposition was organized long before I even came yeah. along and stuff, and and it's and it was very very determined to ensure that Esquimalt not be treated. Uh, as this sort of like um we don't we don't matter and wow, that's we don't, awesome. we don't need to be involved and in, in the the decision makers know what they're doing and we should just accept it kind of thing Ah, so there's a rising up so if there was (laughs) if there was a silver lining from that whole experience and i'll tell you there's a lot of people that still have (laughs) post-traumatic stress syndrome (laughs) from that but but if there was some positive that came out of it it just really got the community united and 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 engaged and and um like i said before we we lost our newspaper because black press media thought that
0: yeah, screw Squamish
1: doesn't need a newspaper. They're mm-hmm. not that kind of a community, and and everyone kept judging us like that, right? And dismissing us like that. And um, each time that that happened, um, we had a response, and we yeah. and we grew as a community. We, we we evolved and got stronger as a community.
0: Squamish so, going to be the new Victoria pretty soon. Watch out, Victoria. Well, you know, it's, it's <laughs> funny you say
1: that because when when we were talking earlier about how housing costs and everything else, and it's interesting that so many people were moving to Victoria from the Vancouver area and from Alberta and all well, all over the Canada, and they'd come here and they'd like discover a and they're like, "What? what? Mm-hmm. This is surrounded by water and parks and yeah, you're it's- this close to downtown." And it's family-friendly, all these things, and, and it's way yeah. cheaper to live here than it is to live on the other side of the Johnson Street Bridge or yeah. over in Oak Bay And so all these people were discovering Esquimalt, and as a result, many, many of the, the newer, younger families moving here and settling here now come from outside. And the, and the reason is, is because people who've lived here for generations, like in the greater Victoria area, have always thought of Esquimalt as this sort of place you you don't go to, which worked out great for us because it made our real estate prices cheaper than everyone else. Yet we were just as great a community to live in, if not better. And, and, and so it's now it's like, you like you joke about, we're going to become the new Victoria and it's we've become so popular now that you're seeing, homes in Esquimalt going, going on the market crazy. for yeah like a million yeah. bucks or whatever that's that seems to become the norm now but it's yeah. just we've become like almost like in a good way i suppose is like is that we've become so um so much a destination and so much a sought out place to live um, yeah. we've all known the reasons for that for a long time but other people are discovering that themselves Get surprised you know I they used to it. like the local realtors in the Victoria area would not bring clients to Esquimalt that just, oh, really? that was the mentality it's just it was it's just bizarre yeah wow yeah
0: it's crazy, yeah, okay, so let's get into it now, or well, or wait, well just let's where yeah, 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 we should get into it okay. I was gonna just gloss over the stuff you do at. In a, like Forest, Esquimalt City Council. Can you gloss over it? Yeah, sure. Quick.
1: Okay, so just local government. Yeah. The real. Uh, basically, we have a council of six people. That's pretty much. Or sorry, six councillors and one mayor, so right. seven people, okay. and that's pretty much the norm for most municipalities. There's some of the smaller municipalities like View Royal, I think, and uh, Machosan have a little bit smaller council, but um, but uh, normally you have uh, have a mayor and six councillors and you're elected, what's uh, called it large. So basically the community just goes down the list and they vote for their mayor candidates and they pick a mayor, whoever wins becomes mayor. Okay. And then they go down the list of names for councillors and the top six councillors become council. Okay. And uh, you basically, our job is to do uh, mostly community planning is a big part. So we have things called official community plan, which to, to sort of is sort of like the guiding document about how we're going to do growth and development in our community yeah i remember
0: Um, i remember hearing from jeremy he was saying that like most of the stuff that happens day to day that or affects people day mm -hmm. to day is municipalities that's right like it's
1: we're in we're the we're the closest government to people's lives in so many ways which is weird because
0: most people think of government they think of what we're going to talk about the federal stuff it's like that's going to change us but it's like no
1: not really not the one yeah and and the connection (laughs) like i you know Today I might go to the grocery store, and people can approach me, and they know they mm-hmm. can approach me and ask me about an issue, and I give them an answer, and th- they know what's going on. Well, good luck yeah. trying to do that with your member of parliament in right. Ottawa or your MLA. Most you know, if you can, you have to go through staff to even meet these guys. Yeah, yeah. You know? and he'll
0: be like, "Oh, talk to this person." Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's in it's funny that that people just don't seem to make that connection yeah. that the most important, the most vital, and the most the most level of government that they have the highest level of in, um, influence on is local government right. but too often just gets dismissed as maybe not being as important as federal and provincial.
0: Well, I think we have this thing of like if you can get to it, it must not be the person you need to get to.
1: Yeah. <laughs> if it's <laughs> you know? too easy, yeah, perhaps
0: yeah. it's too accessible then it, it's not yeah.
1: worth the, the, the trouble. I, sp- I don't yeah, it's maybe that's the, the mentality. It's like we can talk to you but yeah. it's like
0: well, I should probably talk to the mayor though right yeah she's the one it's like well no you can yeah <laughs> you can do it well, that's the other fascinating thing about low government is that people have this expectation
1: because they watch a lot of like you know American TV mm-hmm. where, where mayors are these big bosses and yeah. they run the city and you gotta go kiss the ring of the mayor to get something yeah. done or something and and it's interesting because under the community charter that we have in British Columbia it's basically uh, mayors are essentially their their main job is just to chair the council meetings Oh, okay. but at the end of the day a mayor and councillors are all equal equal. members of council and um and And each
0: each counselor like has a a, a, like certain specific roles right uh
1: well the great thing about our most councils is that yeah you what you well you what you look for is you you always want i always believe that diversity creates the best decision making so you always want to make sure you have a real mixed group of talents around Mm -hmm. the council table and that you allow people to kind of like you know Excel in their area where they're really interested in, um, and that kind of happens informally. It doesn't. We're not like a, we're not like a provincial government or federal government where you have a cabinet and different right. ministers that are responsible for specific uh, oh, okay. parts of government. It's we pretty much. It's kind of like a all hands on deck approach. Oh, because I thought I the thought
0: there was like like it, it says here appointments.
1: Oh, appointments is, is your committee appointments. So oh, okay. committee and, and and so that yeah, in that sense, you you have areas where. You might be appointed to the Parks and Recreation Committee, right? And so then your area is, is to to be connected to what's going on in our
0: parks. Recre- parks oh, and recreation so you kind of got to go to them and yeah, you have, take notes and then come back. to That's that right. And say, yeah, this is what they're doing. It's
1: it's a committee system. So like okay. you have council that's making all the decisions at the end of the day. Okay, but the committees serve as sort of part of that important. You know, link in that governance process where they're, because the committees include regular citizens as well. Right. And the regular citizens are advising council about issues that that committee is dealing with. So in, for, in Squamble, we have an environmental advisory council co- committee that advises us on on environmental policy. We have the Parks and Recreation Advisory Committee that does the same for parks and rec mm-hmm. um, you know we've used to we've had things like heritage committees and whatnot. Um,
0: so it's it's not like like when I first read this it was like regional water supply commission that you're on. It's not yeah. like you head that up. No you just you're I represent a That's right. So okay.
1: the way because we, we have thirteen municipalities in the region, yeah. so we have our regional committees as well at the which CRD is, level.
0: Which is why they're talking about amalgamation.
1: Well, yeah, <laughs> off and on again. But um, I, I just think you know
0: my approach. And
1: again, we talked about provincial and federal government. So my repro- my approach to the amalgamation issue. Is that big government means big big bucks? <laughs> like it yeah. means uh, it costs a lot of money to run big government. And you were we were talking about earlier that access to your local decision makers. Right. The bigger you make government, the more expensive it becomes, and the the less amount of. Uh, the lesser amount of access you have to your elected officials. Mm-hmm. And so what is the point of amalgamation? Because well, the emotional response is that, oh, well, if we we have less government, it'll be cheaper. Well, no, it's not, actually. Every study that they've done here in Canada on amalgamation has shown that, that they actually well, end up costing more money than saving money.
0: Well, at first it would because you'd have to restructure everything. And wouldn't That's part right. of it just be that it's kind of going to be all the same kind of structure? Like, this area is still going to have to have that many people to deal with things yeah. so it's
1: the, the bigger <laughs> the bigger government becomes toronto is a classic example of yeah. that it just the more expensive and more convoluted things get and and just uh the the, the, the that whole benefit of local governments being so close and connected to the people gets less and less yeah. as a result
0: the only thing yeah. i could see that would be good is craig flower would have one speed limit <laughs>
1: yeah there, well that, and then of, that that's an issue around three? yeah regional trans- transportation policy i suppose and that uh that uh definitely um, we can always do better in terms of our connectivity of planning and decision making <laughs> but that's what the whole crd exists for yeah. right so if the that crd that is doing their job properly and doing their governance role properly then then in that
0: those issues can mm. properly adjust so all right well is there anything else you want to say about your roles in the just council? That, or? that
1: it is the most uh, in engaging and, and the most fun level of government you can be. I mean, I know everybody oh. thinks it's wonderful to be an MLA or an MP or whatever, but I, I think being at the local level is is by far the most rewarding mm-hmm. uh, yeah, level of governance that you could ever work in. It's, it's fantastic. Like I,
0: I would, well, I just thought of this. I feel like, like an MLA or anything up there would be kind of like a coach for a, like an NFL team. And you're, yeah, like, a, the farm you're like a kid's coach. <laughs> yeah. and you're a kid's coach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. You're it's just something... having fun. You yeah. just want everyone to do well and, <laughs> yeah. and Like T-ball where everyone gets their weapon.
1: Yeah. Ribbon. yeah. <laughs> I, I remember that. And when I was in kindergarten, I always still, I never forgot, like, because I was smart enough to... To keep score and every time I, I knew our team had won but they always said it was a tie and i said that's not that's not real. and i think they were like shoving popsicles in my mouth to shut me up or something but that, it's funny it's like that's sort of where I, I i bring that up just randomly but it's sort of like that's why i got involved in politics because when people would say this is the way it is and i know that's not the way it is <laughs> that's right. i felt i had to get involved and, and yeah. maybe that's how i got started in politics huh. i'm just thinking that now and yeah. And, uh, yeah, oh, maybe that's what caused me well, to... Well, it sounds like that's kind of why question. you became the
0: school trustee kind of thing. Yeah, I, I,
1: it seems like i always wanting to question things. And I think that's healthy. Well, and that's, like I say, that's the, where I'm at, yeah. it's hard to do that to do that in the federal and, and provincial scene, but it's oh. very easy to do that at local government. Like, we have people constantly coming to our council meetings and, and you know...
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and that's one to thing, too, that, that I remember that surprised me is that with the city councils like the other levels of government it's like the party Mm -hmm. whereas you guys it's more the individual and how you said having a mix of people so it's a mix of political that's right views too yeah so it's not like there's six people who all have the same views it's
1: but the beauty of it the beauty of it is that party never gets in the way if you if you would identify we'll talk about this later with provincial and federal and with the federal election going on as well but really what destroys um government is is political partisanship and there's no better example of that than the united states where you have these you know, tribalism of Democrats right. versus Republicans, and nothing gets done there. It's like they spend all their time and energy just trying to make the other side look bad. And there's not—it's it wasn't yeah, it's just, always that way. Like if you yeah. study American political history, there was a lot of generations of of uh, of their different political parties working together to get things done, and that's how their system is designed to to work. But in this modern age, it's just, just so
0: tribal, just
1: so tribal, and so vicious, and so vitriolic, you know, hatred of each other and mm-hmm. and in we see that not what just, was That was
0: vitriolic. Is that <laughs> hatred of each other? <laughs> yeah. That's a great word.
1: It's, well, I I just I can't so watch good. CNN and those things anymore, yeah. especially Fox News because it's just it's quite depressing, really. Yeah. It just it's it's so sad. They're just constantly in election mode there and and that's how you end up with someone like Donald Trump, which yeah. is, you know, I, all of us are still scratching our head, but the reason he <laughs> got there is because the government became so dysfunctional. And he just comes along as a charlatan, you know, almost like cult leader says, I will fix everything. and Or at least you know, shake it up. <laughs> make everything good again and drain the swamp and all this other nonsense and people go for it, right? And, right. and um, you know, we're lucky, I think, in Canada that we have a parliamentary system that is a little bit different than, than that. But um, it's certainly, I mean... We're just the today is September 14th yeah. and we're just at the very beginning of this election campaign. Right. Yeah, this is a perfect segue. So let's well, go into that. But yeah, I was just gonna say, watch this this campaign evolve. I think what's what is the nasty. election? It's October twenty first. So we've yes, got I was gonna ask that. Yeah, yeah. it's October twenty-first. So that means we've probably got well over a month to go. So it's just gonna get more and more heated as as we go along. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you want you wanna talk more about how it relates to the local Kind of, yeah, yeah. You mentioned like, that. And I think yeah. that's
0: a great. I think that's a great idea. Yeah.
1: So a little bit depressing. <laughs> uh, oh, since, since I just awesome. said we're, you know, no, but but it's interesting. <laughs> I, I, this may have changed, but I, I don't think it has. Back when I I studied political science a million years ago, we talked about that. But but yeah, what we <laughs> learned then was that um, in terms of uh, federal and provincial elections, um, close to around it was something like around ninety, maybe as high as ninety-five percent of voters based their decision based their vote on one uh, who the party is right and okay. two who the party leader is okay and then it was only actually like less than 10 percent five ten percent maybe of, of voters uh based their decision on who their local candidates were and that's why it's a bit depressing because it's like I <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's a ridiculously low amount um yeah. And it's it's sad because again, that's your voice that you're electing. That's your representative for your community for your mm-hmm. local issues, either in Victoria provincially or in this case uh, in Ottawa federally, which is a far a long distance away from our local community. Okay, let,
0: let's let's hold on that for a sec because I mm-hmm. do remember learning about that, and I was kind of surprised that that yeah, like there's different ways to vote, and one's mm-hmm. like yeah who's the head you're like i want that guy yeah that's that the public system yeah the okay. presidential system and then there's yeah. the um would you say the, the
1: parliamentary system is what we have right yeah yeah
0: and yeah so then so you're looking past but then you can look at who's running in your district yeah so and so be like do i like them you can yeah. look at them character wise or what they'll do for the area yeah but i think that kind of got me. It's like, well, if you like that person, but they're not the party that yeah. you support, then you're like, ah, yeah, I know,
1: I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very strange anom- anomaly of a voter because I, I tend to... I voted just about every party I can think of because I always tend... I'm one of that small little 5 to 10% okay. because maybe I've just become too cynical about uh, political parties, but I, I tend to just want to know who the local person is. Yeah. And maybe it's because I'm a local councillor too, so it's, that's what's an important value to me. But, oh, right, but because I, like, yeah. who, who
0: are you going to work with in a sense? Yeah,
1: so if, I mean, if someone is running for a party that I don't necessarily agree with their, their policies or whatnot, but they're a really good person and they're really doing, uh, making that effort to reach out mm-hmm. to me as a local voter, um, you know, and, and talk about local issues that are important to us here locally, then yeah, I tend, I tend to give that person my, my strong consideration and, right. and I'll, I'll vote for them. But, um, you know, it, it, not many people do that. And many people, it's just easier to vote along brands and, yeah. and you see the leader constantly in the news for the whole election campaign. So, you get a sense of, how, you know, most people don't even actually vote on policy. They actually vote more on values. And okay. that includes, like, do I like this person who's wanting to be my prime minister? Right. You know, do I like how they present themselves? And, and some of these are superficial things like their appearance or, you know, mm-hmm. really kind of things that have nothing to do with
0: policy. But, but, but those are the things that stick with you, though. Yeah. and so Like, and, especially when you're ignorant about...
1: it's easier, it's much easier, right? Like, well, I gotta
0: choose something to vote with, so, uh, great hair!
1: Yeah, and the media (laughs) just make it more so, like, they keep reinforcing, keep reinforcing the fact that he's, these are the leaders, these are the ones that matter, you know, these is what you, these are the people you should be thinking about for your vote, and, and, you know, and party is a big part of it, too. Like, there's people who just vote for the same party that their parents and their grandparents and, everyone, you know, generations and their family voted for. Because it's, again, easy. Right. It's their family brand, and, and that's who they vote for. And and so someone might already, you know, a lot of voters might have already decided they're already going to vote liberal or, or conservative or whatever. But, um, but, yeah, for most people, it's either party or party leader. And the local candidate, local issues not so much but mm. uh, i would i would i'm always hoping to change that and and, and uh, that's why i'm i'm you know i'm really impressed with candidates here in in our riding that will reach out to local councils and talk to different people about what are the local issues and what's important for you to be represented in Ottawa
0: right so how does this th- okay I forget this part. This sure. is, I guess, this is one good thing about that I okay. haven't done any episodes for a while. Yeah, <laughs> I'm asking dumb questions. <laughs> Lifelong learning—that's my approach, right? <laughs> so, MLAs—that's provincial, right?
1: Yes, members of legislative assembly.
0: So, yeah. who? What are the 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 federal ones? Uh, members Wh- of Parliament. Oh, yeah. so the MPs.
1: MPs, yes.
0: So, how many of those are in say BC or like oh, in? Wow, like how's that split up?
1: That's a really good question. I don't know the exact number. Um. I think like total across Canada, it's like three hundred something. I know it's three hundred something. Um, and there's like 80 close four hundred MLAs, yeah. right? Uh, provincially, or I think it's it's definitely under hundred. It's probably around us, eighty or yeah. so. Yeah, okay. something like that. So there's, three, so yeah. there's
0: the, in in BC or whatever area, there's going to be fewer. MPs. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So
1: it's, it's based on population, roughly. Not all ridings are, are equal, but each district or riding is generally, are, for federal government, um, is generally around 100,000, I think, okay. if so, I recall. So how many yeah.
0: guessing would we have on the island, maybe?
1: On the island, I believe we got about half a dozen or so. There's okay. There's three in our greater Victoria area. There's Victoria, Squimalt, Squimalt Sanitsuk is the second riding. Victoria's the first riding. And then the other one is Saanich Gulf Islands. So those three are kind of in a greater Victoria ridings and they collectively would probably be about 300,000, which is about the size of our region. Um, They're probably roughly around 100,000 each. And then I think Langford is up further with connected with one of the other ridings. And then there's there's probably a couple in the mid- island right, and, and yeah. there's a north island so i think it's around half dozen something like okay. that i don't know exact number but all right I'm okay more, so there's i know that within our little region here what who the writings are and the candidates but i don't know much beyond right. beyond yeah. greater victoria
0: so okay so let's talk about what 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 they do for us these people once we elect that person who's the three people let's say in our area yeah. that are going to help the island or this part of the island right how, the, how do,
1: theoretically <laughs> they, the way it should work is that they become our voice in Ottawa. Okay. However, oh. in practice, <laughs> let's talk about practice because in practice under our party system, our parliamentary system, more often than not, they become the voice of their government or their party um, to, us. to us. It's kind of the oh. reverse of what it should be. But, you know, if you go back to the hmm. origins of democracy from like ancient Greece or something like that, it, you, you elected your representative and they went and, and represented your, your little parts of Greece or something in, some ways in it, the decision it's almost, making.
0: It almost seems like how we see like like law enforcement. Like it yeah. used to be like they were there for us and now it seems like <laughs> we kind of view them as like they're over us. Whereas like before it was like they're serving us. That's a whole other topic too. <laughs> okay. We can yeah, definitely that's a whole other, that's like the sewage issue. That's another okay. one that I've been
1: uh, up late late nights are stressing out about too, but um, okay. well, but anyways, sometime there, yeah, but yeah. So, so don't provoke me on you, policing man. right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I like that. I'm writing that down. The topic though. <laughs> okay, so how how is that changed? Like, okay, talk. About yeah.
1: That. So uh, and and again, it, it's sort of not to. He said, you used the word depressing earlier, but it is kind of depressing <laughs> because what's happened is that we've evolved into a political society where political parties pretty much control everything in terms mm-hmm. of how governance works. And the, like I said earlier, the beauty about local government, we don't have political parties. Right. Like I come every every once a week, we have a meeting and we make a whole pile of decisions and I will sit around the table with six other people. I have no idea what their politics are. I don't care. It's It's completely hmm. irrelevant to the decisions we're making. But we're governing, and we're governing right. for on on issues and on on policies and all these sort of important decisions. But politics never really gets into it. I mean, we have so our viewpoints, and but but we don't, you know, we don't hold rigidly on those viewpoints. The great right. thing about the way council governance works is that you go into the meeting, and you're supposed to be open to persuasion, and and oh. just kind of like a jury system, basically. You know, you, you're supposed to the judge says you're supposed to keep an open mind you go in and, and amongst the jury, you make your decision, right? And, and that's sort of how the government works. The party yeah. system is much different than that. It's... it's um,
0: How to push your... You,
1: you, well, you, you, it's basically... You, well, one of the biggest motivations in the party system is everybody wants to be in government, right? Yeah. So that... You have to make sure your brand and your party is always seen better than the other one. The easiest uh, okay. way to do that is to always put down the other one. And so so constantly, there's this kind of... Uh, war of words and and whatnot going on, purely designed to make the other guy look bad, right? The other party look bad. Mm -hmm. And so, and then once you do get fortunate enough to form enough seats to form a majority to become government, because that's how our parliamentary system works, then, of course, every one of those seats, every one of those members of parliament wants to be in cabinet, because that's where the real decision-making happens. (sighs) The way you get to be in cabinet is you have to essentially toe the party line, right? And right. you have to have party discipline, and, and which you, is the
0: opposite of what you
1: guys do, right? And and, and exactly, and, and in order to be have that party discipline, you have to constantly be selling the party brand to your local uh, community, your local uh, area, right. riding your le- loc- local district that you represent in Ottawa. And so, as a result of that, is that you, you essentially don't get the person representing the views of the local area to Ottawa you get the uh, party dictating to that member of parliament what they need to sell to their local community. Yeah, <laughs> that it, sounds and depressing. It, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and every once in a while, um, you get these guys that come along and they're more like, you know, they, they, they don't care about the party line and stuff. But sadly, those people don't tend to do well because... They could eaten up by the system. Although, I will say, so, what's so really they would
0: be the ones that would be better to have in there to make more well, mix. It
1: well, it'd be wonderful if we just did away with parties altogether. Like, and this does actually happen in Canada. I think it's the Northwest Territories has this approach. So basically, everybody that runs to be in their legislature mm-hmm. runs as an independent candidate. No parties are allowed oh, okay. there. And, and at the end of the day, what happens is whoever gets elected to hold each one of those seats in the legislature, representing various communities, they choose the premier, uh, uh, they vote for it. It's much better. And and so whoever wants to be premier has to balance all the views of enough of the, of the seats or enough of the people occupying those seats in order to become the premier. And then, and then they appoint the cabinet ministers among those from, among that list of, or from that group of independent members of the legislature as well. So sounds really cool. it's, It's pretty much the way that, that, uh, local government works too, because. So why don't they do
0: that anywhere else?
1: money perhaps uh, i would uh, my i would say that it's extremely expensive to to run um cam- election campaigns or- especially at a well, at least, yeah to be an independent is very difficult because mm. when you are part of a party again you're part of a brand which people will right. financially donate to and when you get access to those funds it's much easier to pay for your election campaigns and advertising and marketing so, and everything else so.
0: but how you just described it what was the northwest territories you said yeah, yeah. so how do those independents are able? How are they able they to would, do? They
1: would they would operate their campaigns the same way we do at the local level, which is I just you know my campaign I paid for my own campaign and and, and I don't have a party that pays me for all my signs and but it's set up <laughs> that
0: that like it's only independents that run or is that just. Happened that way.
1: I think it's their law that they, they don't, okay, they don't allow wondering. for parties. I think yeah. they actually, so we could have, so if we, put we could that have law, a law that says that there's no parties in Canada. Then it would um, change. Although yeah. you might end up seeing like a, a group of like-minded independents or something <laughs> like that. So it just, <laughs> but it still might they'll be. They'll find a way around it, I suppose. But but yeah, no, still it'd be, be wonderful. If it, it, but like I said at the beginning huh. of our conversation is that so many people vote for um, the brand of parties because it's just easier, you know? Yeah. It's the way they're Fathers and mothers and everybody before yeah. them voted. And and it's it just, I guess it's easier to self-identify with a party brand. And so it makes it easier for the voter. But um, there's no reason for it. It, it. it just means that voters have to do more of their, their own, as they should, well, it also their own seems, homework on who the candidates are. You know, yeah, but it just also seems like party if, brand.
0: if they're going with party brands and that's what's going in the media, mm-hmm. then the things that we're getting fed our party brands yeah whereas if it was independence we'd actually be getting fed like real information yeah so then even even though we don't watch or see very much yeah. we like different things would stick in our head yeah like oh they said this about that or yeah. that about that instead of like oh that's that party that's that yeah. party that's that party i like those three people
1: yeah and you know what I, I i love about local government too is there's no label so like of course always we're gonna have like um you know, judgments or or we're always going to be labeling different mm-hmm. uh, candidates based on their party, like, oh, you're right-wing or you're left-wing or you're – and, and, and that just turns the system kind of – it creates problems because you're not judging the individuals and what they're saying. You're just judging them based on their brand, on their party. Right. And, and so that creates a whole other bunch of problems in terms of, you know, uh, how you accurately select the person that you want to be your representative, right? And – if you're just right away going to dismiss people because of their party then in a way that person those people that are being dismissed aren't really getting that fair shot at right at, at presenting their case to be your representative and so again i i in some ways parties can work against candidates in a lot of ways and there's a whole issue of we can talk about right now and that's called strategic voting and vote splitting mm-hmm. um that's a big topic i don't i'm sure how familiar you are with that but well
0: a little bit like when the provincial election was coming up like i learned a little bit about that um and it it's exhausting it is exhausting (laughs)
1: and it's again it's it's also depressing again to use that word because it, it drives me bonkers because what ends up happening is that you're as a voter you're you're essentially being guilted or pressured into voting for someone you don't want to vote for yeah but because that Person that you're being pressured to vote for has a better chance of beating the person that you absolutely do not want to get elected, mm-hmm. and it's just it's a really dysfunctional, um, unhealthy way to 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 be a voter and to make your decision as to who you're supposed to vote for. Yeah.
0: Well, well, when I, when you said that you're one of the what ten percent or whatever the votes for the person that's going to be or the MP that's going to be in the area yeah. instead of the party, yeah some people would say well that's dumb because no one's doing that so why bother right like you're just <sighs> you're just the, what would they call that splitting the vote or?
1: vote splitting yeah so so the, then what of so the response to the or the i guess the solution to vote splitting is supposed to be strategic voting and again it's it, it's all the, the approaches that you should not vote for who you want to vote for who your heart tells you to vote for you should vote. you should vote against the person that, that could end up being elected that you absolutely do not want to get elected. Right. And, and again, that gets based on on party labels and, and um, you know, making sure. You, like, for example, let's just speak the environment issue, for example, because mm-hmm. it's a big issue right now. We were talking about what issues are a matter right now. And here locally um, and regionally and across Vancouver Island and probably across most of British Columbia – The number one issue, and it's you know, I know it's early days in the campaign, but you really feel it. The number one issue is climate change, and and it's not even called climate change anymore. It's climate emergency, quite frankly. Oh, really? And and what levels of government are going to be doing something about it? And and so you know, obviously the Green Party very passionate on the climate issue long before it was fashionable politically to be to be so. Um, And so there's a lot of people that think I would like to vote Green. And then what happens is they, you know, say the NDP. People will say, don't vote green, because if you vote green, you'll be splitting the left-wing pro-environment vote, and you'll end up with a conservative MP, and the conservatives aren't as inclined to champion climate change and and, and react in an emergency fashion that is required on on addressing climate issues. And and, and they're more in favor of pipelines and all that kind of thing and stuff. In fact, it's quite interesting. We can just do a little side story here about our local area. So our area here is... um, is uh, a squ- the writing's is called Esquimalt Sandage souk and it includes those communities and some other communities like View Royal and whatnot, anyways. So, last election was 2015. The liberal candidate at that time was a man named David Murder, and David Murder was the murder? Did, murder, murder, murder. M- oh, okay. M- yeah, I was like, whoa, <laughs> that sucks. I gotta work on my enunciation there, the M E R N E R, murder. So, David Murder. So he was the uh, liberal candidate in the last election. And he was very big on issues like, uh, in, you know, environment and whatnot. And Trudeau was saying, I'm going to be the champion of environment. And, and uh, you know, he, there was the pipeline issue. Just as it's an issue, again, this election, it, it was a big issue in the last election. And he ran as a liberal. He'd, he'd spent most of his, his political life involved with the liberal party okay. and, and whatnot. And uh, so he, he came second. I think the NDP won this riding. He came second. Um and then at some point uh well the the whole pipeline is the, the pipeline issue is a whole other big issue we can talk about <sighs> but it, just to make it really simple at some point um the federal liberal government under Trudeau approved the pipeline project after saying that they right. were not really going to be allowing it to happen yeah. so broke their promise on that and then but they pushed weed so we're good yeah exactly yeah it's all balances <laughs> but but anyway so then then the courts courts intervened and said no no you can't do that you have to have uh, more proper consultation with first nations and there's all these roadblocks that they created and so the the um, kinder morgan just walked away at that point and said well we can't make this happen the private company that was championing the pipeline Right. And so Trudeau, in the federal Liberals, step in and they buy the the uh, pipeline project themselves to make it get back on on track. And yeah. and so David Murner, who was very much against that issue, and that was the value that he had as a Liberal and what he thought was being represented by Liberals, he quit the party at that point. And now he's running for the Green Party this time. Oh. So he switched parties, and because he feels that his values are not being uh, properly. Um, you know, not move forward by the, the they're not aligned with the party that, that he thought that he was you know yeah. connected uh with in terms of his values yeah. so he's now a green party candidate and so what's happening here it's very interesting because he's a very strong green party candidate um okay. he has he's been very visible in the area very you know connected to those local issues that i talked about and then there's an incumbent ndp member of parliament an
0: incumbent is they're already in right that's right that and means they're...
1: incumbent means they're they're running for re-election right. so okay. they're well known in the area like in our case in this this riding that you and i live in is uh Randall Garrison is the member of Parliament. Oh yeah, I've seen. Yeah. He's got
0: his his office is just like a few right? blocks away. And you here. get
1: the the things come in the mail where it says, yeah. "Here's my local report to you," and you know he says right. my MP report. And I don't read so, them. So, yeah, yeah, well, I, I don't, don't think anyone else does because. Uh, but see, yeah, there government's yeah, trying. Yeah, right.
0: Has to be an idiot. But
1: but <laughs> but yeah. So so what the fascination is happening now is that you've got. David Murner running as a Green Party candidate championing that issue that is probably the number 1 issue
2: mm-hmm. and then
1: you've got uh the Liberal Party which David Murner used to be representing having mm-hmm. their candidate a new candidate obviously and then you've got the member of parliament who's NDP Randall Garrison running for re-election and they're all like kind of saying that you know climate's the most important issue we want to represent you on that issue and then you've got uh the Conservative Party which You know, they'll they'll say that environment's important, too, because obviously they want to be aligned with where Canadian voters are. But they're also in favor of the pipeline and the things that those other three candidates are very, you know... um, Anti. Very anti. Well, the liberals, I guess you could say it's sort of like, we're not really sure where (laughs) they're at on this because, say one thing, but govern a different way. But but let's just say in the most simplest terms that there's basically three, what you would call uh, more center-left progressive kind of candidates. Okay. And then there's one that's more center-right, you know, um, more conservative. Well, that's what they're called, conservative, right? right? So if you as a voter want to vote for the Green Party, for example, because climate's really important, the NDP would say to you, and the Liberals probably would say to you, if you vote Green, you're just taking away votes from, from the NDP or from the Liberals, which would then mean it's easier for the Conservative to get elected because let's say he only gets you know, 30% of the vote, which normally wouldn't be enough to win. But if the other three are splitting up the other 70% of the vote and the splits all, you know, mixed up amongst them, that one right wing candidate could get elected representing a community that has 70% more left wing values. Right. And And so that's called vote splitting. And then, so what strategic voting is, is where they tell you get pressured to ignore the candidates that you really like and just pick the candidate Who's most most likely to get uh, elected in, instead of that other candidate that you don't? It seems
0: don't it seems like it. strategic voting should I don't know like maybe only be used if if it's if someone if Donald Trump's going to get it. yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, like if someone that's if, like, like that really crazy. really like let's yeah. not do this yeah
0: but when it's the other ones it's like if everyone just kind of stuck to or w- what I'm starting to think now. If they stuck to more of, like, how you said, the person who's going to be in their area representing them, and if they actually represented the area, not pushing their party stuff on the area, then that seems like proper government like that it, it's yeah. like if everyone voted that way and they did their job that way yeah. it's like that would work really nice well
1: you know what that's a, that is a <laughs> great segue into what the solution to strategic voting is okay. and, and vote splitting it's called proportional representation
0: oh and the reason
1: why i bring that up <laughs> i've
0: i've talked about this a <laughs> yeah. lot though well, and great, and so you're familiar <laughs> with it
1: well the, the, the reason why it's so pertinent to what we're talking about right now yeah. is that Trudeau, again, one of his big promises, what big one of his big, big, big idea promises was he said the 2015 election right. would be the last election to be under that what's called the parliamentary system. Yeah. Or what, it's called first past the post. And, yeah. and that's what we've had for, forever in Canada. And it's called first past the post because it basically just means like if you're in a running race, let's say there's four people in a track beat or something on a yeah. run. And the first guy that manages to break the ribbon, whatever, whatever his time is, he gets to win. And the other yeah. three are, are the, you know, they get the silver bronze or whatever. Right. Yeah. So, which it, in politics gets, gets you nothing. But, but, um and so we have this first pass the post system. That's why I say, it doesn't matter. You don't have to have 50% plus one yeah. to get elected. You can get elected with as little as 30%. I've seen people get elected with as little as some 20 something percent. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Like yeah. when I
0: first, when I first learned about that, I was like, well, that doesn't seem right. Yeah. But then it seems like every system you look into, because I did a couple episodes with uh with a professor at UVic. Great. And he, that's like one of his thing. Yeah. So every time I learned about one thing, I'm like, well, that sounds good. And they'd be like, yeah, well. And then I'm like, well, that doesn't sound good. And then that sounds good. That doesn't yeah. sound good. But it's it's pretty complicated. We
1: were doing that referendum back in in the... It was last... I can't remember when that was. Last Uh, spring or last year or something anyway. I think it was last fall. Last fall probably sounds right. Yeah. So about a year ago. Mm -hmm. And we were voting on a system as to whether Mm -hmm. to change that. And like you just said, it perfectly has got really kind of complicated for people. So they just voted no, right?
0: Yeah. uh, And in that one, like I had him on before mm. the questions came out. And then I had him on after the questions came out. Okay. So you're well-versed. And he was well i mean i forgot everything but what <laughs> there's things i remember is that he was saying like when the questions or or the the systems that they were presenting he was like well i see the system but i don't really know how they're going to use it they're not actually ex- yeah, saying this right so they could use it this way or that way which changes how that system yeah. is <laughs> referendums
1: so are always sound like a good idea but you know what it's like it's their job. You're elected to do this, make these policies, make these decisions. Yeah. Have the guts to make the decisions. Like if, <laughs> if, you're, if you want, if you think that proportional representation yeah. or a new kind of electoral system is important, then do it. Like, implement but it. But then they always, like, they because they they, they sense controversy, well, the that's easiest the thing. thing is they just say, well, let's have a referendum. Well, you know, like, uh, if my car's got a problem, I, I go to the mechanic and I say, hey, you're the expert on this tell me what the problem is and fix it. They yeah, kind of just turn around it. to me and say, oh, you should get together with a group of your friends and, and you guys make your decision and <laughs> consensus and then let let me know what the problem is and then I'll fix yeah, it. For- yeah. No, it doesn't work that way. And, and your tire
0: looks fat, you, flat. Do you want us to paint the hood? Yeah, I mean, I mean
1: referendums <laughs> have a purpose, like uh, if, you know, on things that, you know, that are... I mean, I, I don't... I I can see where if if someone's in a, a deadlock situation or gridlock situa- situation where a decision just isn't getting made, and you can turn to the public and say the public get the final say, then they have a referendum, mm-hmm. but that really should only be used in very rare, rare, cir- rare circumstances. Because especially saying that this the referendum is a default for government not being able to do their job, and and really it, it drove drove me oh, crazy. Oh, interesting! That, I never thought of that. Yeah, but. But what really bothered me was was (laughs) Trudeau saying that he was going to change this, and then he essentially made it look like he was doing some work, or his government was doing some work on electoral change for the first couple of years of their four-year term. And then the last two years, they just said, oh, you know what? It's really not that big of an issue, so we're going to keep the same system. Yeah. And so David Murner, who I brought up as the Green Party candidate, who was a very uh, much a liberal candidate before— that was the other reason why he quit so there the two reasons it was a pipeline issue and the second one um was the electoral uh reform issue right. he was very big and he's he's been quite involved in the in the citizens groups about bringing about change for our electoral system and uh and you know Trudeau just said oh you know never mind well you can't you can't so, make such declarative statements like you did in 2015 that this will be the final election under the old system he said that very very repeatedly and very firmly, and then here we are in the next election using the same old system.
0: Well, isn't it easier to get uh, people who smoke marijuana <laughs> on guess, your side? than I guess they
1: did the calculation. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I did learn about that. That that changing the voting system doesn't actually have to be a referendum. They can no. just decide to. You know, everywhere, then,
1: everywhere in the world, pretty much where there's parliamentary systems. Except for Canada and Britain. We're the only ones on these ancient, ancient uh, Mm -hmm. first-past-the-post electoral systems. Everywhere else in Europe and all over the world where they have a parliamentary system, they have switched to some form of proportional representation.
0: But then it, but that goes, so them making that decision and like having the balls to do that, it kind of goes back to the party thing, Mm -hmm. right? Because I remember when I talked to uh, Daniel Westlake, he was saying that, yeah, they could switch it. But then people could be like, you did what? You're not getting in again. Yeah. So, like, the fear it's...
1: Of the, it's the fear of the voters. You know what? Yeah. It's but, like, oh, we're yeah. you, you're the...
0: So, instead of, like you said, doing <laughs> yeah. their job and, like, being like, hey, I did my job, yeah. so...
1: And I don't know. I don't...
0: Be proud of me I for that. I don't
1: know if... I think that's the thing that, that really bothers me about political parties is that they're always treating voters like, like we're like we're, we're like we're children on the verge of having a temper tantrum or something. Mm, so if you do some good. if you do some like take away our our candy or whatever that we're going to be crying for the next 3 hours and we'll be really really difficult to deal with. And <laughs> and I think that's a, just a bizarre approach to take because at the end of the day you really think that if Trudeau said we're going to change the electoral system uh, or if, um, you know, here in, in the provincial, like what you talked about earlier, the referendum, if if John Horgan, the premier, said, we're going to change the electoral system, it's now going to be proportional representation. We made a decision. Do you really think the voters are going to say, I'll never vote for you again because of that? Really, at the end of the day, voters are more caring about things like the economy, their jobs. Pocketbook issues, their kids' schools. Well, and they, when and they've they, got their their parents at the hospital or something like that's what voters care about.
0: You well, and, you, and you might get your arms up for a little bit, but then you'll yeah. be like, okay, well that happened. Let's see how it, it goes. Changed. Now let's. Ch- it changed. Go on the change things. is always
1: hmm. difficult or strange or or what have you. Or, it, but it's change. And if if you had that approach that you don't want to excuse my language, but piss off the voters, then change would never happen. Because mm-hmm. anytime you make change, you're always going to make somebody. Upset, right? Or or enough? But you're talking
0: from a city council mentality. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's that's the frustration. (laughs) Yeah, and that's why that's why it's so important (laughs) to say for anyone listening to go and meet individually one on one with the the federal MP candidates Mm. and get to know them as a person and think about where how this how does how does this person feel to you in terms of being your voice because essentially they are going to be your voice so it's it's someone you want to share. That's a good that, point. That, that, you know, share values and, and, and just have a connectedness to. And, and don't See, default even, to party and leader because that's just too easy. And then that's what the media yeah. are catering to.
0: And I never even thought that, like, for a federal election, you could access those people. Oh, for sure. Like, that's why they have campaign offices. So, yeah. yeah.
1: And, like, and I have to say, like, the reason I brought up David Murner's name is because, like, I've seen him everywhere. He's... Um, He's just been working so hard at uh, making those those one-on-one connections mm-hmm. and, and the community-level connections. I'm really impressed with that. So it, it's when you look at our riding right now in, in Esquimalt, Saanich Souk, as it's called, I think it's going to be a really interesting um, – I, I know for a fact from what I've seen in, the, in media coverage and whatnot is that the Green Party have targeted this riding as being one of the ridings that they want to – Pick up. And, Highlight. Yeah. And it just so happens that Elizabeth May is next door in Sandwich Golf violence. And she's, uh, she's so, been, um, you know, representing the greens, obviously yeah. in this, this neck of the woods for a so long So we're going to be a halftime
0: show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's
1: going to be, it's, 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 I, you know, because I'm a political junkie, and I think you are too. This writing is, well, this, I, this, is gonna be, well this, this is just from almost like, uh, I know it's superficial to say this, but almost from like a sports kind of, sports yeah. kind of yeah. analogy. It, this is really the horse race to watch, I think, yeah. here in, in terms of one of the writings. That's, yeah. I should,
0: get, I should see if I can get him well, on. <laughs> you know,
1: it's, the funny thing is, is that when you rely so much on, this is an argument why we shouldn't be relying on party brand and on party leader, because the NDP's brand somehow is just kind of like they're going way down in the polls all of a sudden. Hmm. And it's interesting that if you talk to the, to the NDP people, they're saying, well, it's, it's um, one, they're losing votes in this vote splitting issue, which they're concerned about, but because they have a new leader now and the, yeah. the leader is quite different in, in appearance. Let's just say like from, your traditional white white guy kind of right, party right, leader okay. yeah, yeah. you know he, he definitely is is uh, the first party leader in Canada be from a minority group right um, identifiable you know and a, what's a, his a name woman, he... Jagmeet Singh right yeah. yeah and he's a Sikh and yeah. so just something completely different than what Canadians are used to and it's, it's weird it's like because you don't I don't think of Canada as a racist country like you know Paris yeah, to the yeah, yeah, totally. But 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 apparently it's it's an issue, right? I don't know. it's is it, interesting. Is it, Here we are in 2019, and, and we th- you think that you know in Canada we're so multicultural that it wouldn't really be an issue. What? But but who your it, leader is in terms? I don't of know their... if it's
0: a racist thing though. Yeah. Is a is more of just like what you're like you said what we're used to. So it's like yeah. it's like if you Change, eat guess, potatoes yeah. and yeah. steak, and then someone's like you want salmon, you're like what yeah. salmon? Well, I like salmon, but salmon for dinner? What? I guess. Yeah,
1: maybe you're that's like, it. Well, you, I think you're right in that sense, because Canadians, and I, I say, it, like, Canadians are conservative voters, not conservative party voters, but they're very conservative in mentality. Mm-hmm. So they don't, you know, we are, as a culture, as a country, we're, we tend to be very um, change-averse or risk-averse or, or very conservative in that sense. That's a very good way to say it. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and so you're right. Like, if we're used to eating... A certain meal every day yeah. and suddenly we're being offered something else. And so that's the challenge. It's like, the well, I like that, have. but I'm not. yeah. And it's interesting because that's what the, the challenge of the NDP have right now is like, they're saying our leader is our leader. Who, we, What the fact that he's yeah. a different color than, than yeah. your traditional white guy or whatever that you're, that you're used to shouldn't really be an issue. But I, I think that I, if you talk to like um, political experts, that's the challenge that they're dealing with right yeah. now with their leader and with their brand is that, you know, how do huh. you, how do you get past that or how do you get voters comfortable with that? And it's, it's, um, I think for a lot of voters, it's not going to be an issue, especially if they're NDP voters, but for that kind of like very valuable, very sort of, kind of mushy middle, um, yeah. indecisive voters, the ones that just make their decisions based on. What they think about the leader and the party kind of thing. Those people, um, that's who you really need votes from, and so that's the challenge that they're having. Well, then you
0: have like the opposite, where it's like I'm gonna vote for him because you want to support that, right? Which is that's yeah, it's just as bad, and
1: that's yeah, well, that's (laughs) even your that's being where you're more kind of what you call your base, your hardcore voters, and you don't have to worry about them because they're gonna vote for you no matter what.
0: Well, no, but but I mean like 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 the the people who are comfortable, like 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 oh, I'm used to like white people being yeah yeah. As opposed to like, oh, there's there's a brown guy there, so let's let's do that yeah. support them. And even <laughs> though they know nothing about them, yeah. they're going to be like, let's support that because we need change. We need to get rid of this Dude, racist send, thing. Send a message
1: about who we are, and especially in response yeah. to what's going on in the United States. Under, Which is just as ignorant Trump in a way, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's again, it's people making their decision based on leader, right? Because yeah. in that case, right. you're, you're, you're saying they want to make a statement around yeah, who, they, a statement. Who, they, who they are as a voter and mm-hmm. whatnot but yeah and and so, what I'm suggesting to parties is that you know the more you get away from your who your leader is and who your party brand mm. is, you don't those issues don't matter so much, and you can just depend on your local candidate to be their local salesperson So They should
0: be pushing the the locals more
1: but they won't yeah, because if you look with all the monies, I mean they tour the the country and they make yeah. stops and writings where they think yeah. that you know things are close and they you know a leader visiting can make a difference or what have you. But at the end of the day, all the messaging and all the, um, advertising and, you know, the presentation of the leader on what they're doing that day, Mm -hmm. it's all based on the national campaign and, and attracting those votes across Canada sort of thing and appealing to the Canadian voter as opposed to the local voter. That's Um, interesting. Yeah. And then the local, the local campaign, I I shouldn't dismiss when I say like only about five or maybe maximum 10% of voters care about who the local candidate is. Yeah. The local campaigns do matter. They do matter in, in a lot of ways. And um, so, you know, especially when these votes vote, writings are sometimes very close. Sometimes people win by a matter of a couple hundred votes out of yeah. thousands and thousands of yeah. votes. So that's where the local, uh, you know, campaign organization, things that you think would be superficial, about, like who has more signs up, that kind of visibility Who has more, who's winning the sign war is often (laughs) the way they they describe it in politics and whatnot, because that shows momentum. It shows like, um, it's sort of like they call it, there's an air war and then there's like the ground game kind of ground fire. Right. right? An air war is just like, you spend a pile of money and you just kind of like float on the, on the cocktails of the national campaign. And then there's like the, the ground game where you're like out there door knocking, shaking hands of just about every voter you can find in Mm -hmm. the riding. And that makes a difference too, because people tend to, if you, if, well, not all people, but let me put it this way. If a, if a voter meets the candidate face to face, they're more likely to vote for that candidate as opposed to other candidates, regardless of party or just because they've had that personal connection.
0: Yeah, He seemed nice. Yeah, exactly. He seemed nice. And they, you
1: know, they complimented something or whatever, you know, and they made me feel good.
0: We're actually pretty simple creatures.
1: (laughs) That's right. Yeah. You know, and and the great thing also is that once you make the human connection, then you can wipe out all that media hype. Yeah, that's true. He said, she said, and this and what. And, oh, like, I don't like this party. I hate Trudeau. I I love this. You know, all that stuff goes away because you've now made a human connection with another human being. So the the main...
0: Yeah, the main thing you're saying is go meet your MPs and and, and, and what I'm saying to the local candidates. candidates is
1: go and meet your voters and get right. connected. Your your be visible, be connected, and um, set up a hot dog stand yeah, at the all local stuff. grocery and store. And you <laughs> see them doing that, right? And that's a, you joke about it, but the yeah. ones that are doing that, that's where I say that ground game really yeah. makes a huge difference. Now, the other thing is that's how they can help their their party, right? Can yeah. get more get get themselves elected, get more seats. The more seats you have. You get enough for a majority of seats, you can form the government. But they can also work against their party in some ways. And you see this often very early on in the campaign. We're seeing it this week if you've been paying attention to the news. But what happens is candidates become an embarrassment to their party. Oh, no way. So because oftentimes, um, social media, for example, uh they found some social media post or something or comments they made online from sometimes years ago, but they're controversial comments. So they, you know.
0: But that's where if we could just get past like, (laughs) oh, you said this, you said it's Like, yeah, well, I've said tons of stupid stuff whatever it's great. for you you can say that all, as long as you're not elected or ever seek public office that's right. you can you have you have free ride oh,
1: on that but i would never su- be elected and, now. <laughs> and that's that's the interesting one. like when you have like this 300 it's... something seats multiplied by all the parties so that you're talking about thousands of candidates right yeah. by the time you're done and 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 when you have all these people running um they were just like you they were like i did stuff on social media but yeah. hey what i you know what it's just what i said at that moment and I, it didn't really mean anything Well, now suddenly it means something. And it's it's not about the individual. It's not all about the individual. It's about the party, damaging the party and damaging the leader from the other side, right? And like I said earlier, it's always a war going on between these tribes. That
0: drives me nuts. Because when you're first talking about them being out there and you're saying how that could help the party, then I thought, too, of how it could actually help that MP take their job... Um, in the sense of not trying to push the party on the mm-hmm. community, but it could they they're meeting their the people in their community, and they're like, I actually do want to help them, yeah, because they're meeting because it works yeah. the opposite way, right? That's right. Yeah. Like they're meeting them, and they're like, oh, did the people in my is it riding still for yeah, riding constituency, so, yeah. So I'm meeting the people in that in mine, and I I want to help them now because I've actually met them face to face too. Yeah. But then you, you turn it around to the social media, like this whole yeah. game again. Oh, I hate the goddamn yeah. game. It <laughs> yeah. drives it's, me nuts. It, it, it's just so childish. And you know, it,
1: it is. Ch- and it's all it's all based on the approach that your party needs to get more seats than the other guys party and that's how you form government that's how you gain power and so it's power gaining power at, at any expense you know and they i'm guessing some of these candidates probably end up having nervous breakdowns because <laughs> yeah. they're suddenly a national oh, story yeah. and it's just like something <laughs> they did just... from when they were like a teenager or whatever but it's like yeah. you know it's suddenly on everybody's uh media feed and and and, and all you were trying to do was like <laughs> be a good citizen by running for public office and 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 representing your values and wanting to become a member of parliament but but once you put and that's why so few people go into politics even local level yeah. because as soon as you do that you're no longer a private citizen and it doesn't matter all is fair in love and war right and so anything well, that not- parties can use against you to help their 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 cause against your yeah. party's cause they will they will use it, and it's like you know, and it's not just even old social media posts. It's like things that you might say in public during the campaign. So if you're at an all candidates meeting and it's being recorded or something, and someone says something and uses some colorful language that suddenly can become the top story on CBC National and uh, your leader saying, that person's no longer welcome (laughs) in our party. This person is, you know, is the worst person. We we really feel bad about this and we will make sure this person does not represent us. They've been asked to resign, you know, and and then this person has to go home and, you know, (laughs) how do they feel good about themselves at that point? You know, they just, they're they're publicly destroyed, you know, and and it's like, so, you know, it's, it's interesting because it, this didn't happen as much um, before social media, because social media is still relatively new. I mean, mm-hmm. if you go back ten, fifteen, 15, definitely 20 years ago, there was yeah. no social media and I mean, candidates probably could have said all sorts of stupid things or whatever to in private conversations, but unless it was recorded or something, there was no yeah. way of exposing that. But now, because of social media, even things like, so say someone posts something in your feed and it's it's like a video of something that might be considered sexist or racist or anything that might be considered, mm-hmm. you know, offensive in some way. And let's say you just put a like on it or something because you yeah. thought it was funny for some reason at that moment mm-hmm. in time. They will... They will crucify you for having just liked something let alone ri- writing something the it's amazing it's so, amazing that, so like... be careful even maybe you just push the keys or your phone you know I'm, I'm kind of thumbs with my phone i could push the wrong thing yeah. on, on my uh my uh, social media feed and next thing you know you're you're becoming a national embarrassment for your party and leader and you're being asked to resign and everyone knows who you are for all the wrong reasons but
0: it's so funny <laughs> that like like for politics it's like you can become embarrassment but if someone else does it like who's in in media, yeah, they become like a hero. Like, yeah. oh wow, he says what he wants to. It's so That's, great. Good yeah. for them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and the politics person does. It's like, yeah. oh, can't believe it. They're supposed to be like perfect. And well, look at Donald. Tr- have, look at like,
1: Donald Trump. Like, like he's sort of like, how does. How does he, he do? Like it's just bizarre because, like any other candidate, <laughs> did any any even a, a tiny ounce of the things that he does on a daily basis, they would be exposed yeah. and outed and said, "You can no longer be in politics. Go away well, and be, probably, sh- be ashamed." of yourself. But this guy, he just—it's almost like he's done it so much to the point where he he can—it's turned it into a normal thing. When it, but never I think also that when
0: you start off. <laughs> With the shame?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Where I get, exactly. else to go? Why well, not? Let's exactly. just keep it up? The, the stuff like during the campaign yeah. back in 2016.
0: It was probably for it him. It was horrible. In it a sense just... for him, it was probably the, the best thing that happened for him because from then on he could say anything because I... it was like, it was like the worst thing <laughs> came out. So now it's like free game. Yeah. But why Whereas is it... before he would have had to keep his mouth shut. I, I, I don't, don't know. Keep my mouth shut. <laughs> but
1: it just seems to be, that's his strategy <laughs> is just be as crazy as shit and, yep. and get away with it. And it, <laughs> But again, that gets back to the reason why he was able to do that is because people got so turned off by this constant political party nonsense and and gridlock and just, you know, just not being able to do their jobs and not being able to govern. And so some insane demigod like him comes along and says, I will make it all go away or something. And and to prove it, I'm going to say everything the (laughs) way you should never, those other people would never say it. and act and behave in a way that knows other established. Uh, yeah, he separated act. himself, that's for sure. Well, God, but I mean, there's got to be a happy medium somewhere in there yeah. that can fix the system without making it, you know, become insane or yeah. led by an insane um, yeah. orangutan. But anyway. <laughs> orangutan. Yeah.
0: That's going to come back to you. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm not too worried about the Trump voters. They they can stay away from me as far as I'm concerned. You just won't be able to visit, and there, visit but the but states there are, again. There are Trump voters in, in, you know, Canada though. Like it's... Yeah. There's this Maxime Bernier guy is the fifth party, which is called the yeah. People's Party. The fifth party? Yeah. So there we have four major parties. Well, okay. I guess you could say two major parties and then yeah. we have the, two, Green. The, the the two third parties, right? So yeah. the, the tug of war in Canada for federal government is always between a liberal and conservative. They're the two kind of, you know, leading characters, I guess, in right. politics. And then we have the third parties, which have, of course have traditionally been the NDP, Um, but there's also now the Greens that are coming up. There's the Mm -hmm. Bloc Quebecois, who are just a Quebec party about Quebec interests. Um, And then there's now this new one. So I guess, would it be five or six? I don't know. How many have I listed? Six, I think. Six. So this is the sixth party, I guess. Although, I guess, Bloc Quebecois isn't really a national party. but So this is the the newest party, which is called the People's Party. And from his leader's name is Maxime Bernier, who was a former conservative cabinet minister under uh, Stephen Harper's government. And he ran for the leadership of the Conservative Party against Andrew Scheer, but was the second runner-up. <laughs> and so he ended up becoming, Andrew Shear's the new, the the current Conservative okay. leader. Okay. And then he went off and formed his own party, this called the People's Party, but his, from what I can tell, it's all basically Donald Trump, Canadian style sort of thing. Oh, okay. You know, the immigrants are the problem and, uh, you know, um, political correctness is a problem and all that kind of stuff. Mm. and. You know, and, and drain the swamp, that kind of approach, I guess. Although I guess he was, If he was a former cabinet minister, he would have been part of that swamp, I guess. Huh. Swamp. Yeah. Anyway. Well,
0: um, we're coming up on like an hour and a half here. Oh, well. I, holy cow. We've, we've definitely we covered passed a lot your, of territory. your 12 o'clock there. Uh, I hope that's but this all right. Was, this is fun. Yeah,
1: this is definitely fun.
0: Um, and I bet you there's lots on that list still that we didn't cover, eh? Yeah.
1: Um, well, we talked, you know, in terms of the local races. I don't know, like when you when this will be airing, but if you wanted to talk about what's happening here locally in the, yeah. the uh, different writings, well,
0: what I was thinking is if you, if you have time in a couple of weeks, I think okay. you might have had time. We can do a check Just, in. Yeah, do okay. another check in. Sure, because um,
1: sometime before October twenty first, we can talk about what's happening with the local ridings. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I'll have Great. you on. This is, a lot, this is yeah, a lot of fun. this is a lot of fun. We get into it. Yeah, and it's it's great because like I say when you when you're when you're amongst the other political people, you can talk about all these things and everyone understands it, but for the greater majority of the yeah. population, we, <laughs> people just <laughs> I don't not interested in.
0: So well, <laughs> well it, was, it was just funny like you were saying just one of the the party leaders, I can't remember you are talking about Stephen Hart just now. Yeah. You said it, and I'm like, I don't know who that is. You're like, oh, he's the head of the party. So, and yeah, I'm Andrew, like, Andrew
1: Shear is the Yeah, Andrew. The, I'm the, like, the oh, current, okay. Yeah. 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 Well, he, yeah. So, he, <laughs> no, he and Trudeau are kind of like having the tug of war as to who can get their majority yeah. seats to form government.
0: So, that's a good explanation of what yeah. this podcast is for. People who don't follow <laughs> politics. <laughs> the leader of that party. Yeah. I didn't know the name. And
1: if you don't follow <laughs> politics, at least you should follow politics during an election campaign. So, right. hopefully this podcast helps you yeah. a little bit better. Yeah. But, but it
0: like, is really interesting, though, like stuff i have learned when i have done an episode yeah. i'm just like wow i can see why people get like dig into it and yeah. get get stuck on it yeah. and just now from talking to you i can see why you're saying that at a community level or municipal level it's the fun one mm-hmm. it's like you're actually you're doing the job instead of like the stupid phrase of towing yeah. the party line right yeah. like it's you're just doing the job yeah and it seems like they forgot to, they're st- it's not the, it's not the, the top priority yeah,
1: anymore. Yeah, we are pretty much 100% spending our time just governing, right? Mm-hmm. We get to do things like fun events and things yeah. like that. And you go to like you know, special things going on around the community that are always yeah. fun. But most essentially, you're always governing. But what they're spending their time and energy and their money on big, big time yeah. is simply just attacking each other. Right. And
0: that's not. It's just, it's just, yeah. Can you imagine if people did that in school? They'd get oh, all sat down yeah. and they'd be like, okay, this isn't what are you guys doing? Well, the, the irony is, like, is the gover-
1: <laughs> government's bringing in all this legislation about anti bullying and stuff, and, and <laughs> yeah, workplace right. like you know, you can't bully in the workplace, all these things you can lose your job over, and oh whatever. That's all they do, and it's that they're the ones that are, I mean, with teaching, Trump, it. like with Trump, it's just, it's just magnified by yeah. a gazillion and, and whatnot, yeah. but. But yeah, it is. Um, well, I never I, thought of it I, that way. That's yeah, crazy. But it, you know, I, it is, we, use the, we use the word depressing a couple of times during yeah. the interview. But I just want your listeners to know, don't think of it being, don't be cynical. Don't think of it being depressing because at the end of the day, you as the voter are the boss. You control things. Well, I and think that's enough, it. Uh, enough of us do our job as a boss, yeah. then these people will have to change accordingly to what we want to have in mm-hmm. our representation. And I think nobody wants to have, I mean, they're a hardcore political party people who love that stuff, but most of us as Canadian voters don't want our parties um, spending all their time, energy and money attacking each other. They want us, we, we want them doing their actual yeah. job they're elected to, which is to govern.
0: Yeah. Well, I just love how you... you slimmed it down there that they're bullying each other like it's just they're pretty much and you know what let's bring in the media too
1: because the media are part of the problem too. because you used to be like you know you turned in the news you got the news but now what you get is like they have one guy representing one party another Mm -hmm. person representing their party and their part and they just have these sort of talk show panels where they just yell at each other and that's
0: why i like to do (laughs) this i I actually think i'm gonna maybe approach those uh the mp candidates because like come on here and yeah. talk for forty five minutes or an hour and yeah. just just talk. Like, yeah, yeah. Say say what you can't. Don't yeah. you get cut off saying yeah. before you yeah. know? Like yeah. actually say what you want to say. Get
1: them out of their message boxes because that's the other. thing. Yeah. The parties have the party discipline. They say this is our message. This is what you have to say over and over again. Yeah. But you said, but but I have my own idea. No, no. You say <laughs> what we tell you to say. Yeah, and, it, and that's that. To me, is not healthy. Yeah. That's not democracy, is it?
0: No. Well, great. We well, could, otherwise,
1: is... we could just elect robots to represent us. That's right? coming. That's coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Super intelligence or whatever they call it. Or, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, yeah, we'll do this again really quick. This is a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, thanks for coming. Tim Morrison from Esquimalt City Council. Thanks for being here. It
1: was a great talk. Great conversation. We really had a lot of fun having right. that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Well, thanks for listening to my chat with Tim Morrison from the Esquimalt City Council. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you learned something new and useful once again. If you'd like to donate, go to the website, and uh, you can click on one of the coffees or a beer or a small chunk of change to help for expenses. It'll take you through to PayPal, and uh, you can just shoot us a little bit of love from there. Um, It's also in the episode descriptions, and so the website is www.governthis.ca. You can do all that there. Also, I'd love to hear from you guys, so drop us a line at the website or, and leave a comment or hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash govern this. Tell us what you think of the podcast. Uh, maybe even leave some questions or topics that you might want us to cover in the future. Feel free to give us a shout on Twitter at wegovernthis or shoot us an email at we at ca. Please share this with as many people as you can. We need to get this information out there for those of us who don't know what's going on in politics and don't understand it. So I'm trying to think, bring things down to a, uh, a little bit of a grassroots level here for us to have somewhere to start from. So when we hear things in the media, we kind of know what's going on. So if you liked what you've heard and you think it's important, please share it with as many people as you can. Uh, Hopefully we can all become a little more aware and involved. So until next time, stay curious.